of your eye. Huddled in the darkest shadows of imagination, it waits. Now is the time to face the fear. Welcome to Horror Lasagna. Embrace the trepidation. So, hey, Reese, welcome. This is our second movie analysis. How crazy is that? That's pretty crazy. We stuck with it this long. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we had the band thing. We did that for years. We and did. Then we still did, got together and did things afterwards for years. So, um, you know, maybe it'll like taper off and we'll get down to, okay, season 22, there's three movies. <laughs> That's it. You'll get them in the next year. <laughs> Here's to hoping we make it to season 22. Yeah, well, you know, but that's the thing with podcasts. You know, we could very easily do a season a week. So we could do 52 seasons. That's true. That's right. (laughs) Here's hoping people are still listening by season 22. (laughs) Right. We got plenty of movies. So that's right. We we could keep going. Oh, God, yes. Um, Okay. Um, So the movie today that we are going to talk about is The Battery. Uh, which is not one I had ever heard of, like most of these. Uh, in the brief, it's a zombie movie, but it's not. That's true. It's really not about zombies. I mean, there are zombies involved. Very few. Um, There's like five. <laughs> that's right, until the end. You read until and the ag- end. In, again, we'll be talking about the whole thing. So if you don't want it, th- this isn't a movie with a ton of spoilers. But if you want to avoid them all, stop listening now and go watch it. You can find this one pretty easily. Yeah. It's on a couple different streaming services. So, it, and it, it, I mean, if you're if you like Walking Dead and the action and the just tension of the zombies, this is not that movie. It, Correct. It's, it's it's a story set in the zombie infested world, but it's not about the zombies. <laughs> yes. And this is uh, the first. And I'm going to try and limit these to about one a season, but this is the first of a special classification of movie for us. Um, This is the micro-budget horror movie. Compared to the last movie. (laughs) Yes, compared to the last movie, it had a $3 million budget, which is still a low-budget horror movie, uh, because your typical movie runs about $50 million to make. Right. Um, The battery falls into that micro-class, which is... uh, 95% 95% of micro-budget horror movies are horrible. Right. They're just awful. They try and do too much. They do. And um, the only time you ever actually hear about micro-budget horror movies is when they succeed. Blair right. Witch Project cost $300,000 to make, and uh, they made something like $118 for every dollar they put into it. Yeah, so that's... they made a tough fortune on that. Paranormal Activity was even more outrageous. Cause it was 15 grand to make that movie <laughs> and they made so much money off of it. It, you know, it became a thing, it became its whole chain. Um, but the battery has all of those beat. Um, the battery was made for $6,000. Yeah. Oh, we could make it. We, we could. And it's really crazy. Um, one of the big problems that I run into with uh, low budget or micro budget films is you will have one guy trying to do too much. You will have the guy who wrote it, the guy whose passion project this is. He will right. have done everything in this movie. And in the battery, that guy's name is Jeremy Gardner. Uh, he wrote it, he directed it, 
and he stars in it as Ben, um, one of the two protagonists in the movie. Right. And, and right there is 75% of the cast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. The cast is pretty small. Um, his, uh, his friend in this case, uh, you know, with going with our theme for the season of friends, his friend in this case is Mickey, who is played by, uh, Adam Kronheim, who was the producer for the film. So both of them are doing at least dual duty, if not more than that. Right. Right. And um, it is an American movie, right? Yes, this is an American-made movie. It was shot in 15 days, and it was shot in Connecticut. So um, the whole thing is, you know, American as you can get, with right. the exception of the soundtrack, which we'll talk about oh, later. Yeah. And so for those of you that like to visit sites movies are shot at, this one's completely doable because they didn't have enough money to rent places. They literally found things. Absolutely. I was reading um, an article um, in uh, Bloody Disgusting on their website. It was an interview with uh, Jeremy Gardner from when this movie came out. And he was saying, uh, the guy, the guy's interviewing him, um, Lauren Taylor is the guy who's doing the interview, or girl, I guess, I don't know, um, who was doing the interview with Jeremy Gardner. And, and they're like, how did you make this for $6,000? And Jeremy Gardner basically says, well, I'd like to say it was all very careful planning on my part. But it really wasn't because we just like would wait around until there was a hole in the schedule and we could jump in and film our scene and then get out. So the whole thing apparently was done very haphazardly. Which is reminiscent of Return or Night of the Living Dead. Romero, yes, you know, a lot. Um, or the uh, the fog. I mean, oh, yeah. Carpenter wrote the music for the fog because nobody else was doing what he wanted done. So it was like his passion project. He wanted it done specifically. Jeremy Gardner's the same way with this movie. He had very specific things that he wanted to do. In fact, the funding for this movie was he went around to 10 of his friends and said, give me $600 to make a movie. And they all did good friends. Um, and he made the movie. Now, what you can't find is how much the movie has grossed. Right. And you'll have this with micro releases because they never actually get a, a box office release. This appeared first at the Telluride Horror Festival um, in 2012 and was released on DVD and streaming services after that. I don't know that it ever did a run like in theaters. Right. And, and But regardless, it's won quite a few awards. Yeah, like seven awards. Now, yeah. granted, most of them aren't, you know, super prestigious things you're going to know if I mention who won it, you know, who awarded it. But still, that's a lot of awards that this movie has won. Yeah, and he nominated for even more. So, I mean, at least acknowledgement of the good movie it is. Now, you did bring up uh, the W word earlier, and so I had to dig into this a little bit. Um the Walking Dead, as you are aware, was originally a comic book series. Right. Um, IDW, I believe, were the ones who have been publishing it this image. whole time. Oh, was it's it an image? image? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it became a comic. It became a TV series on um, AMC. And that I, I've really heard of that. I think a few people have probably watched it. <laughs> yes, that was released in 2010. Now, the reason it's it's an issue with the battery is that the battery has kind of a little bit of that feel 
where there has been a zombie apocalypse and you have these guys walking around trying to navigate their way through a post-apocalyptic zombie-filled world. Right. Um, and it does kind of have that Walking Dead feel. But the funny thing to me is that it was released in 2012, two years later, which means if you consider the shoot time and the production time, it was probably being done about the same time The Walking Dead was. Right. So I don't. I wouldn't go out and call this like a ripoff of The Walking Dead or anything like that. They have very different no. feels. But just in case, you know, if you have Walking Dead fanboys out there who want to jump on the bandwagon, this movie was done like concurrently, not afterwards. Right. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And really, I was thinking about for the story itself, you know, you could have chosen to do like a Mad Max post-apocalyptic thing. It didn't have to be zombies because the zombie part, again, isn't a big focus. They're, they're not even worried about like in Walking Dead where they're worried about uh, creating a home. These guys are just surviving. You know, it could have been a meteorite that wiped everybody else out. Could have been the plague, which <laughs> we came close to doing. So I, I'm just saying that because they chose zombies, but it, it, I don't think it was influenced by Walking Dead. Did you ever see The Road? Oh God, yes. And the, I read the book and yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very reminiscent of that where they never actually tell you what happened in the right. road. It's right. just an apocalypse has happened and you're on your own now. And this is very similar. The only difference is they tell you what the thing was. It was the zombies that seems to have wiped everything out. <laughs> right. Uh, one of the other interesting side tracks that I got down when I was, um, watching this and i made i made some i made i wrote this part down um wow. yeah <laughs> was uh the definition of battery i i'm glad you brought that up because a battery can uh be a device that holds an electrical charge through chemical means uh for future discharge uh to power things which uh, Mickey is constantly interacting with because he has a Walkman in this movie. Right. And he's, it's an old CD running Walkman and the batteries died on those. And so he's constantly having to replace those. And it um, happens in the very opening sequence. I mean, one of the yes, first things is him listening it is, to it and he takes the battery out and he throws it. Yep. And then he gets into a Ziploc bag and pulls out new ones and throws them in. Yeah. Um, it's also uh, like, an exclusive series, like having a battery of tests run. Uh, uh, and I don't know that I can make a tie to the show for that one. But uh, the next one is a physical attack, like uh, a Salton battery. Uh-huh. And there's plenty of that. Ben <laughs> likes to walk around with a baseball bat. Right. Oh, uh, and then the last one, which I had never actually heard of until I saw this is a baseball term. And when you have a pitcher and a catcher, as a unit, they are referred to as a battery. There you go. Yeah. Uh, because they're ex-baseball players. And they're not a major league. They're minor league. Yeah, minor league players. Um, and that was one of the things I missed the first time around when I saw it. Uh, Mickey, at some point in time, is talking to somebody on a radio, and he's talking about Ben. And she refers to him as his friend. And he's like, well, he's not really my friend. We worked together. He was a starting catcher, and I was in the bullpen. So, you know, sometimes they'd work together. Sometimes they wouldn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, 
at one point in time, Ben calls to Mickey and says, you know, we're the battery. And I was like, wait a second, what does that mean? And so first I asked my wife, who was a very successful softball player, and she hadn't heard of it. Oh. But when I looked it up online, indeed, it's a baseball term. Oh, I, see, I looked it up, didn't expand enough, I guess, to read the later definitions, uh, because Ben talks a bit about a battery, but he, he we'll get to this. He doesn't really go into baseball terms. So I was interpreting it as battery has two ends, positive, negative, and that's what these two are. They, they need each other to survive. Without that, they don't work. That's yeah. how I interpreted that. So it's multiple meanings there going on. Absolutely. It was a well-chosen name yeah. for what they were, what they were depicting. So hey, let's let's get into it, talking about the plot and all the things we see in it. Yeah, I mean, if if you wanted <laughs> the to loose plot, <laughs> yes, if you wanted to sum up the plot in the long run, you have two guys starting at point A. They get to point B. A guy dies, and another guy carries on, and that's pretty much the plot in a tidy little nutshell. But there's so much that happens, right, between if point you, A and point B. If if you're a slow burn type of movie person this is definitely a slow burn and it's oh, absolutely also very much like an artistic art piece you know like something you'd see a college student do uh for a class you know it's pushing the boundaries or whatever it's very artsy in, in many ways uh gardner in his interview said that this is a movie about waiting <laughs> i could see that definitely yeah um one of the things that you'll note throughout this movie as you're watching it is there are a lot of scenes that feel long Yes. purposely shot them a long time and purposely left them in the edit for a long period of time because of that overall theme of you were waiting. And that I was going to say that too, that the mood, the whole thing conveys is this is the end of the world. There's nothing normal like you had before. The zombies aren't really the problem because every time a zombie comes up, they walk up, they hit it over the head and they move on. It's, it's like blink your eyes. You miss the zombies yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's all about the how the world has changed you know there's nothing there there's no life like we're used to what is a day we're sitting in our chairs watching the the trees blow that's a day ben says that at one point in time he turns to mickey and says they're not no one's going to flip the switch back on mickey <laughs> right this is it um yeah it, it's it's one of those kind of movies where you have people doing everyday things in un-everyday situations. Right. Yeah. And their everyday thing is playing baseball usually. Yes. Yeah. Um, the movie does start with uh, Mickey um, listening to his headphones. Now, I went back and watched it like a third or a fourth time because I was curious to see if they did this or not. When Mickey has his headphones on, you can hear music. When he takes his headphones off, the music stops. Right. Now, that's not a theme that he carries throughout the entire movie. I'm, I might have been really intrigued if that was the case. Um, but still, he uses it a couple times to good effect, yeah. which I enjoy. And that comes up because Ben yells at Mickey, you know, you're going to get killed with those things on. You can't hear anything. And I think that's part of what he's conveying is that, okay, I can only see a little slice and I can't hear anything but music. What's going on? Yep. And it's an unnatural feeling for a movie. The first, the first uh, scene like reinforces that because Mickey's got his headphones on. He's listening to a song. Uh, batteries die. He changes the batteries out, puts new ones in, um, puts the headphones back on and walks over to the door of this house. He's standing outside of. And 
when I first got the movie, I had no idea what it was about. I mean, it was just recommended to me. Um, so all of a sudden, Ben comes running out and says, run. Uh, and there's a gunshot and they take off. And that's how the movie basically starts. Right. Then they go into the opening credits, which is when he breaks the rule of only having music with the headphones on because there's music playing over the opening credits. Which is good. Yes, which is good. It's it's handy that way. And they have little slice of life scenes while the um, music's playing. So um, there's a shot of them. And all of these are just basically hints because they haven't really gone into depth with the characters or the storyline all that much. There's a scene where they're standing um, near the seaside and Ben is hitting rocks just like uh, I think Mickey's tossing him the rocks and Ben has his bat and he's knocking them out into the ocean. Um, there's a scene where they go down into the basement and there's a, a zombie tied up to a post in the basement. And um, Ben hands Mickey the gun and like plugs his ears and Mickey ends up giving him the gun back and shaking his head. No. Um, so both of those were like hints about things that are coming on later right. in the movie. Um, and I think it's a very effective way to get across what's happening in a very small amount of time in the amount of time it took to play the credits. Yeah. Yep. And, and also it shows we're doing friendship for our theme. That's the two of them. And again, the battery theme too. They, but they need each other to help survive. And Ben, it comes up more and more the difference between how Ben treats everything and how Mickey's treating everything. And those two scenes at the beginning in the basement really show the two of them. Yeah. And, um, the rest, probably a third of the rest of the movie are scenes of them doing stuff like that. They'll, uh, they come across a house on a lake and it has a whole bunch of canoes on the side. And so they, you know, go in and check out the house. Um, they come to a summer camp and I found, I thought this was amazing and I, you'll get this, Steve and I have both been to camps, plenty and plenty of camps. When they walk into the dining hall, there's music playing and underneath the music very softly are the sounds of kids in a dining hall. Yeah. It's super subtle, but if you've ever walked into a dining hall when there's no one else around, you can still feel all the life the activity, the kids running to and fro, carrying bug juice, dropping their trays, and counselors singing songs. You can you can actually feel that in the room. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and that dining hall looked like every camp dining hall I've been in. Yes. I mean, that's the same. Yeah. Um. Apparently, the players were in Pittsfield. Um. I didn't look that up. I'm assuming that's in Connecticut. Uh, when this happened and they were trapped in a house, it gets mentioned a couple times. Um, because Mickey just wants life to go back to what it was. That's his thing. He won't say the word zombie. He won't kill a zombie. He is having a miserable time following Ben around. Not that it's Ben's fault. This is just what Mickey. Right. Again, the, the differences in their characters. Right. Ben, on the other hand, seems to be having a good time. And Ben is a survivalist. 
And I don't mean a survivalist like the kind of guy who has four crates of ammunition and 16 rifles in his house. I mean, Ben is just the kind of guy who's going to do whatever it takes to survive. And I really get the feeling he doesn't like people just in general. Yeah, he's very laid back. This is just how life is. And hey, I'm good with it. Yeah. So, yeah, he's walking around. He uh, At one point in time, there's a zombie out there. They're uh, running away from it, and Mickey hops in the car, terrified of the zombie, and he's yelling at Ben, and Ben's yelling at him, and Ben's like, come on out and kill it, because Ben keeps trying to get Mickey to kill a zombie through vast amounts of this movie, and Mickey won't do it. And Ben's like, this one killed your sister, and this one ate your dad. Get mad, and, and Mickey just won't do it. So then Ben proceeds to kill the zombie. And then Mickey's like, you didn't have to kill it because they're slow zombies. He could have walked away from it. But Ben assures him that, yes, yes, I did have to kill it. And and I think, because you could interpret that as Ben being kind of a dick, <laughs> that he's pushing Mickey or whatever. But I don't think he is. I think he's trying to get Mickey to accept the reality. Because if he can't accept that reality, that this is what the world is, that's going to kill him. He listens to his music to escape. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ben, Ben's like, you just got to accept it, do this and your life will be better. Yeah. There's, uh, there's lots of scenes where, uh, Mickey is trying to get back to what he wants, what he wanted, you know, life to have been. And Ben is constantly shutting him down with reality. Um, there's one point in time where they're in a house and Mickey's like, we could just stay here. And Ben's like, no, because the last time we were here in a house, remember Pittsfield? We got trapped in there. Uh, we had to eat dog food. We had to eat the dog. And I, I killed I was, it. <laughs> I was the one who had to kill the dog. Right. Yeah. So um, Ben sees himself as doing the heavy lifting in this pairing. And I think Mickey, for a lot of the movie, sees Ben as kind of a bully trying to push Ben, push Mickey into being more like him. Right. But I think Mickey also realizes I probably wouldn't survive without Ben. I really need him again, that battery, the two opposites that need each other. Yep. Absolutely. And I don't know that there's a long period of the movie where I don't know that I would consider them necessarily friends as companions. Yes. True. At one point in time, something happens. They become friends. We'll get to it in a second. But up until that point in time, it really seems like they were just, they're traveling companions. They're hanging out together. Um, but, uh, so they do stop at one house. Um, something of note, uh, for me, uh, Mickey is in the bedroom of a girl who lived in the house. Uh, he's looking at her picture. He takes a pair of her underwear. He He smells smells perfume. (laughs) Yeah. Um, again, trying to get back to, cause he's a, he's a thin, handsome guy. You know what I mean? I'm sure, uh, especially minor league ball player moving from town to town, women were probably never an issue for him. And so that's something that might be familiar to him. Now that, um, which I'm hoping you picked up, that was his girlfriend that he wanted to find. That's what they talked about. And I I liked that because even for all his, you know, the world, just how it is. Um, uh, ben was helping him. Yeah, okay. You want to go find your girlfriend? You'll go to her house. 
and they did. And he was helping him. He was against it. You, you knew he was against it, but he did it, you know, because that's what Mickey wanted. I thought that was kind of telling of their relationship too. And I liked the fact that the, they didn't film it, hit you over the head. All right, well, fine. Now we're at your girlfriend's house. Go in there and see if she's there. They didn't really explain it. And it was like, oh, click. Well, that's what that is because yeah. you had to really pay attention again don't blink because you'll miss parts like of the a, i'm sorry about your girlfriend yeah you know like so they they let you know but like steve said they're not they're not smacking you in the face with it um but while mickey's doing that ever practical ben is in the garage looking through tools and things like that and he finds a pair of two-way radios and he sticks them in the bag for later um now there's like I said a long a lot of this movie and like he said it was shot haphazard just kind of whatever they thought of to do a lot of this movie has these scenes of just the two of them hanging out in everyday life um so for instance there's a scene where they find toothbrushes and they come out and they brush their teeth. And this was the scene they were referring to when he said it's a movie about waiting because it's a long shot of the two of them brushing their teeth from start to finish, the whole completion. And Gardner was saying the whole point was to reinforce the fact that oral hygiene. No, that's not what he was saying. He wasn't saying <laughs> that oral hygiene is important, although it is. Kids it is, especially teeth. in an apocalypse. That and changing your socks. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, he was saying to reinforce the fact that everyday things can become a luxury when you're in a situation where normal is no longer normal. Um, so I don't know where that happened to the movie. I guess my point at his girlfriend's house. Cause after okay. Ben was, cause, cause I, I got a question on that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I don't necessarily want to apologize for it, but we won't necessarily be talking about the scenes as they happen in the movie because so many of them are just, genre scenes it's just yeah. life yeah it really the opening scene and the, then there's a lot of getting there and then the girlfriend's house and then there's the the where the story actually kind of starts yeah um but the the thing to also to notice again showing them mickey is the one that brought the toothbrushes out and gave one to ben and ben took it and brushed his teeth if it was the other way and mickey had stayed outside like he did earlier I'm not even sure Ben would have grabbed the toothbrushes and brought them out. Uh, you know, so again, shows the differences in their personalities and also shows where Mickey's thoughts and priorities are trying to lie. It's really funny to me too, because I thought the same thing. That's not something Ben would have necessarily done, but Mickey brought it to him. So he did it, but how thoroughly he brushed his teeth. You know what I mean? Like my kids growing up, you tell them to brush their teeth, you know, they splash some water in the toothbrush and they're done. But like when Ben does it, he does the tongue, he does everything. I mean, it's a long process. It's like, okay, well, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And is it very subtle? You know, we'll clean our mouth out so that if we do become zombies and we bite somebody, we've got to clean our mouth. You know, That's maybe right. that was part of it too. Our breath won't be so offensive. Right. Uh, they also find a car. And this becomes a turning point for them because up until now they've been walking and the car they find, uh, looks like a Volvo station wagon. Yeah. Um, they're very good in this about, uh, product placement, i.e. they don't show you any brands. Right. Um, so I'm not 
that great with cars where I can look at it and be like, oh, well, that's a model, blah, blah, blah. But it looked to me like a Volvo <laughs> station wagon. Yeah. Um, they're excited because it starts. Uh, so it's got a charged battery. It's got gasoline. Um, and then Ben very uh, excitedly shows Mickey that the seats fold down. You have this giant space in the back to make what he called a bachelor pad. So he tells Mickey to go get a bunch of his girlfriend's blankets and they lay the back out like a great big bed. And they now have a vehicle to travel around in so much better than walking that whole distance. Right. But again, there's no destination in mind. They're right. just moving on. Absolutely. They're just, they keep moving and they, they have this conversation when Mickey's saying it, can we just stay in this house? <laughs> And Ben's like, the thing about sharks, Mickey, (laughs) they've been around for 400 million years. And do you know why? It's because they constantly keep moving. If they stop moving, they'll die. And that's what we are. We're sharks now. We can't stop moving. Um, Of course, Mickey takes umbrage with that. And it's like, it's not like that at all. And Ben's like, yes, it is. And that's that's how a lot of their conversations go. (laughs) Right. Yep. Um, so they get in the car and they start driving. Um, they're driving along and I'm, they get to a spot and I'm not exactly sure why, but Ben is, yeah, Ben is out of the car and Mickey is out of the car and Mickey is, uh, standing in the forefront of the scene with his headphones on and he's playing with the two way radio, listening to music, some of the amazing soundtrack. And Ben is in the background and Ben says, Hey Mickey. And Mickey doesn't turn cause he's got his headphones on. And so Ben starts pretending he's a zombie and limps up to Mickey and grabs him and scares Mickey. And Mickey's like, what the hell? And that's when Ben again points out those things are going to get you killed. Those headphones. Um, and then Mickey hands him a radio and says, let's try this out. So Ben walks off a little ways and they start talking on the radio back and forth. And Mickey's like, how far do you think the range is on these? And Ben's like, oh, five to 10 miles. Mickey's like, okay, you can come back in. And this is just quintessential guys to me, in my mind. Ben's like, no, I'm going to go take a shit. And then he farts into the radio, which they both find hilarious. As you know, I guess you should. It's pretty funny. I'm laughing about it now. There hasn't been any late night comedies on. So you got to do what you got to do. But now the entire movie, uh, on that note, the entire movie completely Boosh. changes. Yes. <laughs> because they pick up someone else's broadcast on their radio. And it's a woman named Amy. And she is talking to Frank at the orchard. And apparently she is out scavenging things. And Frank is telling her, Hey, it's like Tommy's birthday or whatever. And they promised that he'd get to watch Tremors. So while you're out and about, if you can find a copy of Tremors, would you pick that up? We're in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. Let's watch a horror movie, a comedy yes. horror, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. They mentioned so, that. That's wait, the most it, product placement. If you're playing seven degrees of Kevin Bacon and his name is mentioned in a movie, does that count? I I would bet. You know, though, knowing Kevin Bacon, he probably could have made an appearance in this movie, you know? He, yeah. Um, well, all of a sudden, Mickey's excited 
because there's other people besides Ben and they're talking about birthday parties and they're talking about watching a movie and there's this attractive sounding girl on the radio. And it's a normal life. Yes. And so he reaches out to them on the radio. He's like, hey, hey, I'm, I'm here. My name's Mickey. My buddy Ben. We're baseball players. Uh, we want to join up with you. And he is told in no uncertain terms by Frank that they are not welcome. Frank uses the term, they have no vacancy. <laughs> yes. Um, which only becomes an issue uh, like in the next scene. Because he used the word vacancy, Mickey's convinced they're in a hotel. Um, which we don't know where they are, but there's no, no scene that like defines that they're in a hotel or not for sure. So this is, this is what you were saying earlier, Steve, where, uh, Ben comes back and Mickey's like, we got to find them. And Ben's like, we're not invited. And Mickey's like, no, no, we got to find them. And Ben's like, well, if you got to find them, you got to find them. And he's just like, okay. So much so that when Mickey stops at a roadside motel to search for them, that's when Ben's like, I don't think he meant the word vacancy like this. Right. And, and it, again, Mickey wants to find these people, but Ben, you go ahead and open the door in case there's a zombie in there. <laughs> that's right. And there were, there were two zombies. And that's the scene where Ben is yelling at Mickey to come out of the car and kill them. And Mickey won't, so Ben does. And then Mickey said, you didn't have to kill them. And Ben said, yes, I did. Um, Which could be the, the you know philosophical discussion. Are you releasing them? Are you saving them, helping them? Or what if there would be a cure? Now you killed them, you can't revive them. You know, there could be a, a great debate on that. I could see those two debating that, which they hinted at quite often. Oh, sure. Um Am I Legend, to take a slight sidestep, you watch Am I Legend and Will Smith kills a lot of those things in that show, but then Will Smith figures out a cure, and so, you know, if he hadn't died at the end, oh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Related spoiler alert. Yeah. If he hadn't died at the end, he would have to ethically sit there being a doctor and say, I basically just killed victims of a disease. As opposed to, you know, curing them. And I can see that being like a serious ethical dilemma that you have right. to weigh. If you didn't know one yeah. way or the other. Absolutely. These two are not going to fashion a cure for anything. So um, they do on occasions stop um, and uh, play catch. And at first that seemed odd to me, but then I started thinking about it. And uh, my college roommate used to be a baseball player when I was in college. And while he didn't play in college, he still liked to go out and play catch with other baseball players. And he was, and at first I thought I took it as an insult. Like he didn't want to play catch with me, but then I saw how they would throw and like they get movement on the ball and I can see why I didn't want to play catch with me. I would just be either chasing the ball or getting hit with it all the time. <laughs> Uh, these guys constantly just move their hand from side to side. That's when you, uh, that happened earlier in the movie and you learned that Mickey and uh, Ben are both baseball players. And you learn that Mickey uh, was never really good with any other pitch, but one um, he's not a good curveball. Thro- he's got a bad slider. Um, 
but apparently I'm guess I'm guessing that was a fastball that he threw and that was yeah. good. And that's interesting too. It's the end of the world. There are no baseball games, but they were working on improving his pitching. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and Ben was actively helping with that. So in a way I took that as he's trying to appease Mickey and make him feel a little better along with doing something he enjoyed too. Yeah. It was really funny because uh, he's like, let's have a catch. And Mickey's like, why? And Ben's like, we can work on that curveball of yours. And, you know, it's like Steve saying, no one's going to be playing baseball anytime soon. Um, or so later. Why would, you, why would you need to improve your curveball? But it it it's been playing into Mickey's need to have life go back to normal. Um, along their journeys, they come to a place. Um, after they have their car, and for some reason, well, this was after the summer campsite, and it might have even been a campsite because they had a mural painted on the wall, which you know isn't the thing you'll find in most homes. But Mickey puts his foot down and he's like, we're going to stay here. We're going to spend the night in a house under a roof. And we all know that Ben does not support this decision. But as Steve rightfully points out, he's willing to do it for Mickey, uh, but not without punishing him a little bit. Right. So still trying to prove to him you're wrong. And I'm going to keep pounding on this point until you see how I'm right. Yep. So he takes Mickey's headphones. Uh, Mickey moves into the room. He unpacks his stuff, which I realize, you know, I'm not in, I'm not in their situation, but if it was me, I would not unpack my stuff. So you're ready to go if you have to. (laughs) Yeah. But Ben's unpacking his stuff on the bed and goes to reach for his headphones. Can't find them. Walks out in the backyard and uh, Ben's got them on and he's putting together a bow and arrow. And Mickey's like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, I'm just listening to music. Um, And he informs Mickey that he'll get them back when they decide to leave because he wants to make sure Mickey is alert enough to hear a squirrel taking a crap in the woods. (laughs) Which I can't do anyway with or without headphones. Yeah. Yeah. We've got squirrels. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. They don't don't make that much noise when they're crapping. (laughs) Not that I know of. No. Um, so they, they become very separate. This is probably the point in the movie where they're the most distant from each other. Yeah, it's uh, definitely the choice turning point and the yeah. stressful point. Mickey decides he's going to hang out in his room, and that's all he does. And Ben is in this other room. He's like, hey, there's this mural painted on here with this girl, and she's petting, you know, there's like gazelles and animals painted in the mural. And he likens it to something you'd find in the Watchtower. He doesn't call it the Watchtower. He's like, you know, that magazine that the Jehovah's Witness hand out. Mickey, Mickey was not biting. He's not coming to see it. So Mickey instead uses the two-way radio to call Annie back. And he, she doesn't want to have anything to do with him because she knows the situation she's in is not a good one. And she doesn't want anyone else involved. She's sympathetic, but she doesn't want to jeopardize her own place in the community or doesn't want to do something that would endanger the community. But she's torn. She's definitely of two minds on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Mickey's talking to her uh, and he basically she won't respond. He basically gets her to talk to him by acting like a two year old. He's like, Annie, 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 are you there? Annie. I don't think I can keep doing this. 
Annie. And eventually she's like, you've got to let this go. <laughs> Just like Ben said. Right. Um, they continue to talk and she's like, well, what about your friend? And he's like, he's not really my friend. And that's where we find out that, you know, they're just minor league baseball players on the same team. They hung out in completely different crowds. Um, they just happened to end up together. And she says that, you know, if they heard that she was talking by, they, she means the orchard. If they heard that she was talking to him, they'd put her over the fence, which I assume just means kick her out. Which definitely sounds very Shirley Jackson-ish there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, the end of their conversation is basically, basically her telling him you know, to just forget about it. Now, he can't because earlier in the conversation, earlier in the movie, Ben points out that Mickey has fallen in love with this voice of a woman on the radio. And he's like, you see her as this... Uh, survivalist pixie you're walking around, whereas I know Frank's not going to take his darling little niece and send her out. I think she's a 46-year-old softball coach <laughs> with with a mullet, a bull dyke with calves the size of canned hams. Now, if that's not a direct quote, it's really, really it's close. Really close, yeah. Yeah. And it's a good example of how the two of them see the world differently. Yeah. Yeah. And this scene is the lowest point for Mickey. It shows his worst side because when he's talking, he's essentially saying, look, let me come with you. I don't care about Ben. You're, you sound much better. I'm, I want to move to something better. Uh, and it's his lowest skeeziest point. You know, at this point you can almost hate him. And yeah. the following scene is really Ben's lowest point. Right. Um, Ben proceeds to just get drunk. He's got the headphones on. That's He's... not the lowest point, actually. <laughs> no, no, uh, but it leads to it. Uh, he's he's blasting music. He's dancing around. Um, he's just trashed. And the scene ends and opens the next day with Mickey asleep in his room. And Ben walks into his room. And at first I thought he's going to wake him, you know, something really rude or something like that. But instead he puts a baseball bat next to Mickey in his bed without waking him and then leaves. And I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. And they didn't put like the ominous note of music right there. Right. So right. I like that, that actually. Yes. That's why I like it when they play with the soundtrack for music, because a lot of times music can give things away. Yeah. And if you're not using it like everyone always does, you're not tipping your hat to something that's going to happen. Again, don't blink in this movie. Right. Uh, ben leaves, goes outside into the backyard, and we find that he has a zombie tied up to a tree with a gag in its mouth. Um, and again, these are not these are not the World War Z zombies. These are not the um, I Am Legend zombies. These are the George Romero zombies. They're slow. They're shuffling. Now, do you think all the friends that gave him the 600 bucks got to be zombies in the movie? Is that all his I friends? Would, I would hope so. But, but how, how, you know, Hey, can you give me 600 bucks? I'll let you be a zombie. And then I'll beat you over the head with a bat. I, I mean, I think Ben, <laughs> you know, Jeremy gets the best out of this all around. Yeah. Uh, he said that $6,000 they spent, it was not necessarily spent on talent or effects, but mostly covered food and lodging. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
He takes this zombie and strong arms him into the house and then yells to Mickey, Mickey, wake up, pushes the zombie in and closes the door. Right. (laughs) Now, this is a rude way to wake him up. And I realize he's trying to teach him a lesson, but this is a serious dickhole way of doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, Mickey might not have reacted well and been dead before anything. Yes. Fortunately, Mickey did. He wakes up, starts screaming and beats the zombie to death. So obviously his batting average was better than his pitching average. (laughs) Um, Well, that's a funny thing because uh, Ben tells him, Mickey, you're on the board, meaning you've scored one now. Way to go. Mickey, on the other hand, is walking around almost catatonic in his underwear covered in zombie blood. Um, and then he knocks Ben to the floor and proceeds to punch him in the face a couple times. Ben rightfully so complains, but doesn't like retaliate. Yeah. He pretty much accepts it. Like, again, that's his nature. This is life. That's, you know, I understand why you did that. From this point on, um, there's, there's a friend building game of catch. After he gets Mickey to clean up, he calls says, you look like a serial killer or something like that. Cause he's walking around outside in his underwear covered in blood, gets him cleaned up. They play a game of catch. And then what follows are like probably the most friend looking scenes in the movie. they they go to an orchard and they're just goofing around the orchard. Mickey's actually pitching to Ben apples and Ben's hitting him with a baseball bat exploding them off the end of the bat. They're like playing. Yeah. They're playing Apple Wars. We've played that before. Oh, we yeah. just pick the ones up off the ground and whip them at each other. Ben's walking around with an apple stuffed in his mask, chewing on it as he walks around. Um, and at that point in time, I think they've made the leap from just companions to friends. And it's interesting too, because the catalyst for that was Ben forcing Mickey to do exactly what he said would make things better. And it really kind of proves in this point for this scenario in the world, Ben's kind of right. You know, he's got the head on his shoulders for this world and it was a risk, but Hey, look, now we're better friends. You survived. So that stress is off of Mickey in a way. So it's the the longest he goes without (laughs) wanting to be in a home and normal world and stuff in a way. Absolutely. Now, um, the movie is about to ter- go to the second movie. In my in my opinion, it almost feels like two movies. Right. And we're about to get to the second one. Because from a story aspect, all we've had so far is build up. There's not been, I mean, in a, a normal movie, what we had in the first 45, 50 minutes was the first 10 minutes of most other movies. Yeah. Yeah. That This would be the intro. They would be doing all of the whole 40 minutes of this movie so far. In the credits, yes. as things were going by, yeah, telling you who's in the movie, as opposed to you know these guys, they made a whole movie out of it, right? Um, they're driving along, and they stop because there's a little hatchback parked crooked in the road. Um, they get out at first cautiously, and find there's nobody in the car, and so Ben proceeds to get ready to siphon gas out of it. Mickey's got his headphones on and he's kind of bopping around and he leans over under the hood of the car and he's like, whoa, Ben, this is hot. Meaning someone has just been driving it. So Ben starts looking around and um, saying, hello, hello. And he turns around to find someone standing there with a knife to Mickey's throat. 
Somebody that snuck up on Mickey while he had his headphones on. Yes. Jerry. He is uh, one of... Race car driver? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. He is uh, one of only four cast members in this entire movie who speaks. Yes. Um, played by Niels Bohl. Not that I know anything else about him, but you know that's his name, Jerry. That's a good name. Um, so Jerry, it turns out, uh, was staying somewhere with some people who had told them that he they would shelter him, and as long as he worked through the winter, they would supply him with a vehicle to get back to his family in Arizona. And this is obviously, I mean, they were playing in an orchard with apples, so it's late summer or early fall. So he's obviously been there longer than they had said he would be. So he stole a car and ran, but it ran out of gas. So now he's desperate and he wants uh, Ben and Mickey's keys. So he has a knife on Mickey. Ben has a gun on him. And Jerry says, if you don't throw me the keys, I'm going to kill him. And Ben says, no, you're not. Which is an accurate statement. But still, if I'm Mickey... Uh, that seemed like a little bit of a ballsy <laughs> thing for you to do. Exactly. Um, he says you won't have any leverage if you kill him, so you're not going to. So then they start having a conversation, and Jerry says he's uh, headed to Arizona, and Ben's like, what, to see your family? How are they going to feel about the things you had to do to get there? And Jerry's, uh, Jerry, they're, Ben is trying to make a human connection with Jerry. And Jerry doesn't want any part of it. At some point in time, Jerry says, you don't know me. Because Ben uh, Ben has accused him of basically being willing to kill anyone in an effort for him to make a futile attempt to get all the way across the country to find his family, who Ben assures him are already dead. Um. There are times when Ben is brilliant and there are times when he's not. And this is one of this is one of his brilliant points. You have Jerry who's under a lot of stress. He's running from somebody. Um and he's trying to get home and he has Mickey by the throat with a knife and he wants the car and Ben says I don't have the keys. And the guy is about to he's like I'm going to take his eye out. How's that for leverage? And he's like no no, I don't have the keys cuz they're in the ignition. So Jerry's like, okay. And Ben's like, I'll set the gun down. You let Mickey go, and then you can get in the car and just go. Well, first, Jerry's like, well, give me the gun. And Ben's like, no, I'd rather shoot you both and take everything for myself before I do that. <laughs> right. So Jerry bites. Yeah, he's, he's the fish and the hook's there with the worm, and Jerry takes it. He lets Mickey go. He gets in the car and finds there's no keys in the ignition. Ben, in a kind of douchebag move, pulls him out of his pocket and wiggles them at him. Right. You know, just just as a way of saying, yeah, I got you. So Jerry curses at them, hops out and starts running across the field. Now, right there, Jerry could have broke down in tears, stayed in the car, begged, don't kill me, you know, and whatever. And I think if he would have done that, Ben wouldn't have done anything. I, I think he would have accepted that. You know, they, they kind of broke Jerry at that point. They're like, look, you know, this isn't how it has to be. But yeah, uh, Ben does at one point in time say something to Jerry about, um, don't we have enough crap going on with not having to worry about each other? Yeah. Meaning, you know, is, as humanity, 
don't we have enough going on, you know, with all these zombies to have to worry about fighting with each other? And it's a which, great point. Yeah, which is actually the same point Walking Dead makes. They just choose to go the other way, and that's what it focuses on. Yeah. Well, Ben does what I probably would have done. I'll be perfectly honest. I would have been pissed that he'd put me in that situation in the first place. Ben shoots Jerry as he runs away. Yeah. In and the back. Leaves him for, yep. Leaves him for dead in the, in the middle of the field. Yeah. And I could, I could see myself it, doing it, the same you know, thing. It's definitely that, you know, again, th- this is one of the great things about post-apocalyptic and zombie movies in particular. What would you do? What would you react to survive and save your family and all that jazz? Jerry's doing what he needs to do, uh, yeah. regardless of what Ben just said. You know, and, and this whole time, uh, Mickey's been saying, you don't have to kill them. Yeah, I got to kill them. Well, that extends to people, too, because, you know. Yeah, monsters are monsters. Yeah. Whether but, but, they shamble or run. There we go. You know, we, we could have philosophy classes, and we need a good philosophy class in college where you analyze horror movies. because. Um, did Ben really need to shoot him? Jerry didn't have a gun or a knife anymore or a car, you know, yeah, he was point. just a guy. Yeah. He wanted to get home. No different than them. Really? Yeah. Um, Mickey does not seem happy that Ben did that because uh, Mickey really is. He's the voice of civilization in this movie. He just wants to get back to civilization. He wants everything to go back to normal. He doesn't want you to do gratuitously violent things. Um, yeah, he just, it's not for him. And at this point, a car pulls up. And there's a tense standoff where um, Ben has a gun out pointing it at the car. And a woman gets out of the car and says, hey, are we friends? Which I think is a good way of saying that. Yeah. She's like, look, somebody stole this car from us. We're just here for the car. If you can just. If you can agree to just let us do our thing, we'll just be on our way. We don't want your car. We don't want your stuff. Uh, we don't want your gun. Nothing. Just, hey, we'll take the car. We'll be gone. We Everybody lives. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's something you don't see in The Walking Dead a lot. It's always, always, it seems like that you meet somebody I'm, and everybody wants to kill each other. Yeah. I'm going to take everything. I want to take yeah. everything you have. If I don't take everything, I'll die. So she has somebody with her with a gun. She tells him to put the gun down and get the gas can because the car is out of gas. She starts to ask about Jerry and Ben um, lies and says that Jerry was bitten. And so Ben had to put him down. She then asks him what Jerry had said. And he said uh, that he was trying to get home and that he was taking what was owed him. That's when the girl points out that he was lying. And that he just stole the car and he's a thief. And everything seems just fine. And she gets in the car and she says something like, well, keep on keeping on. And when she says that, Mickey clicks and he says, Annie, because he recognizes the voice. As soon as he says, Annie, Annie realizes that Mickey knows who she is. And she knows he won't let this go. So in a heartbeat, she shoots Ben in the leg. Which I thought was interesting because she shot Ben, not Mickey. She has a relationship with Mickey. Yeah. And between the two, Ben has a gun. (laughs) True. (laughs) So uh, Ben falls to the ground 
And she basically explains that, you know, she's not going to kill him or anything, but she can't have them following him. And if she sees them again, they're dead. So in an effort to make sure that they don't follow her, she takes the keys to the, to the uh, station wagon and tosses it into the weeds. Now she makes sure she's like, she tells Mickey to watch so he can see where they went and then tells him not to go get them until after they leave. So then she and her partner, who she calls Egghead, that's how he's referred to, uh, they get in the car and they leave. And then Mickey's looking for the keys while Ben is, well, not stitching himself up, but he's applying a tourniquet and trying to bandage his leg up so he doesn't bleed to death. Uh, They can't find the keys. And it's starting to get dark. And so Ben says, let's just get in the car. We'll look for him in the morning. Which I immediately went, I don't know if I'd want to be in a car without keys in this situation. <laughs> well, the funny thing is there's, because I started thinking about this, I started trying to assign blame, which, you know, isn't a healthy thing to do. But since I'm not in the situation, right. it's fine. We're um, analyzing it. Yes. At one point in time, Mickey says to Ben, I thought you said there wouldn't be any in the woods. Meaning zombies. And Ben points out there just won't be as many of them. The same as there won't be any on the moon. Because, yeah, there won't be any on the moon because there's no people there. Well, we're in the woods. There won't be any in, in, in the woods. Then I started thinking, he's already run into some in the woods. So he was wrong on that count. There are some out here. And then I thought, if you're a zombie in the woods, pretty soon you run out of things to eat. And here you have a man who's just been shot lying dead in and a they field. mention the shark with the blood in the water. Yep. And you have human blood in front of and probably splattered against the car from when Ben got shot. So there's this kind of, again, Gardner does that great thing where he like makes his scenes just a hair too long. I mean, so it's a little uncomfortable, but in a good way. There's this scene where the screen is just black while they're sleeping. And all of a sudden, Mickey hears something and freaks out, wakes up Ben. And so Ben says, turn on the headlights. And Mickey does. And there are zombies approaching the car. Oh, Lots the first of them. horde. Yes. And so uh, Mickey gets out of the car for some reason, which, if I think about it, actually was the right thing to do. Yeah. But um, whatever. He gets out of the car, panics, and gets back in. And what follows is, I assume, several days of the two of them trapped in a car completely surrounded by zombies. Right. Hold that thought for a second. Let me back up the horde. I I, I like what you were saying about the blood and smelling the blood and stuff, because I was thinking, huh, did the the group send those zombies? Did Annie send those zombies? Like, you know, it's in fate's hand. I I can't, I'm following us, but I I realized the zombies came from the other direction. So I don't know if that was intentional on purpose or what, but I, I only always push, pictured Annie as a uh, feeling pragmatist. She she was big into making sure she was okay and her situation was okay, but she wasn't cruel or mean about it. And, you know, the fact that she just let them live. She could have wiped them both out right then. Um, and so could have Egghead. Did, yeah. did he have a, he, wasn't he the one with the gun too? Yeah, he had a, uh, like a shotgun or a rifle yeah. or something bigger. Yeah. So they send up, they end up spending some time in the car and um, they, the period of time they spend in the car, they focus on 
I mean, the movie focuses on a few things. Like one, the noise of the zombies constantly beating and moving the car back and forth because the zombies can't get in. And to to be to explain, this is like a stationary camera from the back of the car. It doesn't move. It doesn't change anything. It's just sitting there. It's a one and, camera shot. Yeah. Yep. Um, at one point, Mickey's complaining about the sound and Ben says, it's just like rain on a tin roof. It's not that bad. And then later Ben's complaining about the sound and Mickey's like, Oh, it's just like rain on a tin roof. Right. <laughs> he just kind of put his, put his nose back in it. Um, they, they have conversations about how long you can last without water. Um, they're straining the water off of their food into a separate bottle to keep. And Mickey thinks that's gross. And Ben's like, wait till we have to start storing our piss. All right. A great point. Um, a few other topics come up. Um, they're playing, uh, they're throwing cards at a hat or at a glove. Cause they're just trapped in here. Yeah. Uh, for days, for days. Uh, they play, uh, if I was trapped in a car, I would have an air conditioner and a battery and it's so uh, yeah they're they're playing all these things that you would typically do on a car ride without when we were kids <laughs> yeah but the car's not moving so uh it's the worst car ride ever ben then there suggests, yet? <laughs> yeah ben then suggests they get drunk um because he figures this is the end so they start to drink at one point in time before they start to drink mickey says what if we tried what we did in Pittsville? And Ben blows it off and says, that was in a two-story house. This seems a bit tight. And we don't know what they did in Pittsville to escape that house. So we're going to take Ben at his word. And again, that's one of the things I like about some of these movies that aren't the big Hollywood budgets. Because at that point, they would have either already or they would show a flashback exactly yeah. what they did. So people yeah. can just eat popcorn and watch it. And they don't do that right which i love it leaves it as a mystery and then in the end you find out what they did i mean it's not a complete mystery through the whole movie but it, it's almost like they stored it up um so they end up getting drunk uh they're playing rochambeau or rock paper scissors as we know it um just having a good time and then as so frequently happens when you're sitting around with your friends getting drunk, someone comes up with a bad idea. Um, and the bad idea is, Mickey, why don't you run out there, because I've got a bum leg since I've been shot, and find the keys, and then hop back in, because the zombies are slow. Um, now, Mickey doesn't want to do that. <laughs> Legitimately. Surprise. Yeah, I wouldn't either. No. Um, but so, but they're getting desperate too. They have been oh, yeah. in here for days. What's left, you know? I, I could definitely see changing your mind. <laughs> yes. Well, when the booze is all gone and they start to sober up, Mickey decides that's what he's going to do. And Ben says, "If you don't find the keys, just keep going." Now this is the point, and I don't want to say this is the point where the movie falls apart because it's not. But this is the point that reinforces the fact that if you had an idea while you were drinking the night before the next morning, you should stop and think about it for a minute before you execute it. Right. Because they don't Mickey opens the sunroof climbs out. And there's a very long protracted scene 
of just Ben sitting in the back waiting for them to show, waiting for Mickey to come back or not, because he told him not to come back if he doesn't get the keys. He wasn't being mean saying, I don't want to see if you can't find the keys. He's saying, don't risk your life. Just go. Um, so Mickey's gone and this is, this is what I mean. If they'd have thought about it, Ben's got a gun, Ben's got a bow and arrow. Mickey could have taken off. Ben could have popped up out of the, out of the sunroof and like assisted by picking off anything that was anywhere near him. Yeah. But they don't do that because they haven't really thought this plan through. Right. And I, I, and I, isn't this what they mentioned with uh, Pittsfield is they, they basically uh, made noise, got all the zombies in one spot and went out the other way. Yep. And before they even mentioned that, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, well, hold on. Why they, they take the blankets down on the back. Ben beats on the window, draws all the zombies to the back and Mickey could slip out the door. You know, I was like, why don't you do that? <laughs> and then, like you said, Ben tried to, go up through the sunroof and shoot a couple of them. Okay. If Mickey's running there, go chase him. So now you can do that and get away yourself. I mean, there's a million things they could have done. Right. And I don't, I don't fault the movie for that because you're still, you're in the clouded haze of being in a stuck situation and you're hung over from the night before. And Mickey hasn't made the best choices throughout the whole movie. He's probably so stressed at this point. He just doesn't know what to do. It's like, okay, I I, I just got to do this. After this long, uncomfortable period of time where Ben's just sitting in the back, Mickey comes back. He does not have the keys, but he does have a bite on his hand. Yeah, he's a little freaked. Yes, he's freaking out. Ben pulls out his gun. He's freaking out. And Ben's up, Ben ends up shooting Mike, uh, Mickey. And not a long discussion. Mickey's no. like, what do I do? What do I do? Ben goes, done. Yep. Ben then decides when it's just him to go ahead and try what they had done at Pittsfield. Right. Which is to basically open a door, make a lot of noise and the zombies wall flow to that door. And then you slip out a different door. And part of me thought, you idiot. If you'd have thought about that earlier, you both would still be alive. Right. Before he tries this though, he takes a baseball and disassembles it. And at first I'm like, he's going to use the string to get away. It's going to like help him with the doors and stuff. And maybe he did, but I think it's also representative of the battery having come apart. The pitcher and catcher is no longer a pair. It's just a catcher. That's a very good point. And they didn't show it, but what there was something he said or did that I thought he strung up like a web on the back. So once he drew them all to the front with the door open, he slipped out the back and they're coming in and getting trapped in the car because they can't follow him so fast through the web. That's what I, for some reason, something he said or did triggered that like, oh, that's what he did with the string. Cause like you said, they don't really show it. Yeah, they don't. Before he leaves, he takes his radio and he, um, tells Annie, uh, I'm going to try and get out of here. And if I don't fine, but if I do, uh, Mickey's dead and I'm going to come and find you and kill you. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he said he was going to kill her. I think he said something like he was going to kill somebody there, like kill one of theirs. Yeah. Um, and so the movie ends with Ben basically kind of 
limping down the road. That tells you how long they were in the car. Long enough for his gun wound, his gunshot wound to heal, that he can actually hobble along without too yeah. much trouble. Right. With a whole flock of zombies following behind, but they're slowly Slow. shuffling. Yeah. And that's where and, they roll credits. And there you go with our theme. You know, the, the battery is broken, but they were friends at the end. So he's going to get his revenge because yep. that's how the world works now. And, yes. you know, Ben's thinking. Yeah. Mickey probably would not have done that. Mickey would have ran and begged for anyone to help him. Yeah. Mickey would have taken off the other direction. That's what I mean. Ben is a survivor in that he was like made for this situation. Yeah. And, and not in, not in the, you know, I'm saving canned food by the five gallon. No, like if you take him and you put him in a situation like this, he will do what it takes to survive and he will thrive. Yeah. And, but even here, he's like, you know, this might kill me, but I've, I'm revenge. I'm getting vengeance for my friend, Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the battery. Now that's the plot. Uh, We've talked about the director. Um, I think about the only other thing on my mind was the soundtrack. Absolutely. Absolutely. The soundtrack. One of the things I love about low budget and micro budget um, movies like this is for the soundtrack. They will get bands that you've never heard of before. I have movies on my list where I'm like, this movie sucked, but the closing credit song was (laughs) awesome. And I have been introduced to so many bands. Uh, I actually had to put a limit on myself when I'd see a movie like this. I'm like, because the battery didn't have a budget to have a soundtrack album. They had a list of the songs that were in there. So I'm like, I'm only going to buy one of these albums. Uh, And so I picked rock Plaza central as the album that uh, I bought. And they're the ones who did. um, uh, Shoot. I wrote it down. They're the ones that did the song when Ben is drunk and dancing in the house. The, the, um, the one with trombones. Anthem, Anthem for the already defeated. Yeah. The band is out of Ontario. Um, their uh, front man, their like lead guy is a guy named Chris Eaton, who is a novelist. He's written four books. Um, I have this album. The album is called Are We Not Horses? And I love it. And I listened to it a lot, but it wasn't until this came up that I actually researched it at all. Um, and it turns out it's not just uh, an album with a bunch of songs on it. It is a uh, concept album. Oh, wow. You don't get that a whole lot anymore. No, not in 2008 or whenever this album came out. It is a concept album about um, six-legged robotic horses in the future uh, coming to terms with like their own sentience. Wow. Now, I have to say, as a guy who's listened to this album hundreds of times, I never got that, <laughs> but <laughs> I also wasn't listening for it. Uh, it's got 12 tracks on it. Uh, it's, it's a, I'd highly recommend it, especially if you're into this whole new, I mean, it's not new anymore, but this whole punk folk bluegrass thing that's been going on lately. Yeah. 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 I, I, the, the, before we even talked, that was the thing that struck me was the music uh, immediately at the beginning. And uh, when Ben was getting drunk, I was like, 
what is this album? Because these songs are fan- uh, the the last album I felt this like wow these are cool was like the Crow, with the soundtrack from the Crow. Uh, it, it just there wasn't a bad song on the soundtrack, no. and they were all different. They I didn't know a single song. I didn't know a single artist. Yeah, which you know we've been in music forever, and I'm like I, I like that when that happens. So that, and that's like why I think the micro budget movies. That's why I look forward to the music in them so much because whoever they're using is not someone you're going to know. Yeah. They don't have absolutely. the money to hire anybody you'd know. Yeah. Most of the bands would be like, "Huck, yeah, we'd love to be in a movie here. Take our song. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, yeah. The, the soundtrack on this album is amazing. And like I said, that's the only one I would allow myself to buy. I could have picked up any of the other musicians that were involved with this. Um, it was just it it was awesome um so jeremy gardner has three other movies out there i think oh yeah he's acted in a bunch but he's directed uh he's directed two others after midnight and tex montana will survive neither of which i've had the pleasure of seeing he was saying in that interview that he had plans to make another movie called the orchard as a sequel to the battery, but he also was all set and ready to admit that it would probably never, ever get made, which is kind of too bad. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have been interested to see, I can see Ben showing up at the orchard and Ben and Annie ending up as like a team trying to take the orchard out because the way Annie talks about them, they're horrible people anyways. Yeah. And, um, or even, you know, a, a same time frame but from their perspective. So you get them talking on the radio at some point and you get them meeting up with Ben and Mickey on the road. But in the meantime, there's, you know, a whole nother story going on in the movie. That's just pieces of what's with all of them. I could see that as a really cool, you know, both of them, they go together because they, you know, yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. But if nothing else, you know, I, I would tell people that like, movie horror movies that are a little different this is a good one to go see if the only thing you like is lost boys and walking dead yeah you may not enjoy this one yeah um but uh for for the people i know that would like it they'll like it yeah it's slim on the action but the storytelling's amazing yeah i thought i'd get bored like you said long scenes i'm like but every scene i'm waiting for the next thing and then the music comes up and you know so yeah, it kept my interest the whole way. I liked it, enjoyed it. All yeah, right. so. So our next one, uh, Byzantium. Very uh, different film. Yes, very different. Um, a lot new stuff to talk about with that one. Uh, so that'll be our next exciting adventure. Awesome, can't wait. Yeah, all right, man. It's been a good time, good movie. Yep. All right, uh, hope you all you like later. it. Yeah. Creature slips from perception. Pay attention. It will rise again.